Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And we're going to take a look at chapter five, beginning a new sermon series. As I mentioned, there is an outline of it uh, in your worship guide there somewhere towards the uh, back of the the plan we have for the upcoming uh, number of weeks and months. And then, of course, there's the normal uh, sermon notes section in the back of your worship guide as well. Uh, this is uh, perhaps one of the most uh, well-known, I don't know, maybe the most well-known uh, section of Scripture, uh, this passage. It's also probably one of the most challenging and, in that sense, uh, controversial. So we're going to have a lot of fun fun topics and issues and areas of our life and areas of the kingdom of God to, to tackle. And, uh, and certainly, although some who would kind of default to viewing the Bible as a guidebook, a good thoughts for decent living, uh, would maybe want to dismiss some of these passages or uh, question how these were said or relayed to us or even their divine origins. Uh, as we come here today, we, we take them at their uh, face value as we should, that these are words that through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Matthew was inspired to uh, recall and record for us from this sermon. Now, it may have been an extended sermon over sort of a retreat time that Jesus delivered, but uh, that we read here in this message words Jesus stood uh, some 2,000 years ago and spoke to a, a crowd before him from a mountain. Uh, as we read these verses, we're going to see a number of things and really, you know, peeking ahead to the rest of the semester here. But we'll certainly see as Jesus kind of presents the, the new vision of the kingdom for us, sets it before our eyes. It's going to be like a mirror for us. It'll confront us. It'll reveal to us uh, some things maybe that are challenging for us to, to see. It'll also be for us a sort of trophy. Uh, something to aim for, something to pursue. It describes for us the beauty of the kingdom of God. It will also be uh, just an opportunity really to hear and to see and to listen to the exquisite words of Jesus, his message, what he proclaimed. And in all of this, it's full of hope for us, because even as we have seen already in the Beatitudes, uh, they're wonderful words for us, but we don't live up to them. We don't live them out the way that we should. And so what a blessing, too, to be mindful that even as Jesus preached this message, he was the perfect uh, exemplar of living out this kingdom life that we see in the Sermon on the Mount. So we have in him, if our trust is in him, a perfectly righteous one sacrificed for us who's lived out the righteousness that none of us can ultimately fulfill. And yet, at the same time, we are invited to pursue this kingdom life. And you're going to see, we'll see it very clearly in these Beatitudes, each of which start with the word blessed, happy, benefited. And then each of which end with a, a benefit, a blessing that comes to us. We're going to see, not only today, but all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that the Lord Jesus wants to entice us to our own benefit. He doesn't want us to set our own benefit aside and just live by duty or spiritual responsibility. He's actually wooing us, saying this is in your best interest. This is for your greatest joy and delight to be able to embrace the kingdom of God as Jesus lays it out in this message. So 
for today. And then for next week, we will look at uh, these first 12 verses called the Beatitudes. I invite you to stand with me in recognition of the truth of God's word, its power. And and I will read aloud as you read along uh, silently these 12 verses. And we're just going to really look at uh, part of it today. But we'll, we'll go ahead and read, read all of the Beatitudes. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together and you can be seated as we do. Father, we thank you for your word. Ask that you would take it and apply it to us in a way that we would see the blessings of your kingdom today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're familiar with the incident of the Apollo 13 mission, either from memory or uh, for some of us from the more recent Tom Hanks movie about that event, you'll recall generally what happened. The the three astronauts uh, launched off the ground and uh, just really a short time into their journey towards the moon, they realized that uh, both electrical and sort of oxygen tank filtration problems were coming into play and that they were not going to be able to do all that they could on their mission. In fact, they were in great danger and needed to get back to Earth as fast as possible. The uh, experts at NASA, the analysts, the engineers uh, gathered together as quickly as they could and decided to figure out how to get them back. And you and I might think, well, you've got a problem. You just blast it off. Turn that joker around and come on back. That's the way to get back down to the blessings of having your feet on good old planet Earth. But that's not the way it worked. They figured out, they deduced that actually the best way to get back down was to go further up. The best way to get to Earth was to go towards the moon. The best way to get closer was to get further. Because even though the ship was damaged, even though their lives were in danger, that moon that doesn't look like a very exciting place in the surface, a rocky place, a really uninhabitable uh, was in fact necessary to slingshot that spaceship back around and give it what it needed to get back 
to earth. The same sort of paradox, if you will, is true for us spiritually as we look at the Beatitudes and really all of the Sermon on the Mount. But the Beatitudes are verses where going up is actually how you get down and going further actually brings us closer. And if you will, going towards the moon actually brings us back to the blessings of earth, spiritually speaking. I mean, think about how most things in life work. If you want success, you seek success. If you desire to have a good family life, you pursue a good family life. If you want to have a good reputation, you go after a good reputation. If you want comfort, you go towards comfort. Right? That's the way it sort of works in our mind. So these Beatitudes are a little difficult right from the get-go because the thing that we're told to aim towards doesn't seem to be the way to get to where we want to go to. The joy, the blessings, the vibrancy of relationship with God, I'm supposed to get to those through poor in spirit, through mourning, through meekness, through hungry, through being persecuted. How is that possibly the pathway towards it? And so that's what we want to look at today. And we'll, as I said, we'll begin unpacking a couple of these. We're going to do some general introduction to the Beatitudes today. And then in the weeks uh, or next week, I should say, we'll, we'll finish up looking at each of the particular Beatitudes that we don't get to today. The main idea is in your worship guide, again, in the back notes section, if you want to follow along, you're welcome to. And it's just this, that since God's kingdom blessing comes through paradox, we should walk in that paradox. Okay, the Beatitudes are saying there is a paradox to the Christian life, and it's probably going to make you uncomfortable. It probably doesn't seem like the right way to go, but go that way. Run down that way, as a matter of fact, and guess what? You're going to find yourself blessed. Find yourself blessed. Well, before we dive into some of what this means, we've got to acknowledge right off the bat a couple of things. You know, we, we need to kind of meditate on this Sermon on the Mount. We need to meditate on the Beatitudes for a few different reasons. One is that the Beatitudes and the whole rest of it seem very difficult, seem very challenging. So we need a reminder. We need encouragement. It's like uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, said that the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and, in fact, left untried. That's true for a lot of us. And when you read verses like this, it could be easy to say that that's for some kind of like super spiritual people. That's for folks that are real serious about this or some monks off in a monastery or nuns somewhere or somebody that really is going to get after it spiritually. This can't possibly be for me. And I think what Chesterton said is true. We often recoil and we don't really pursue the life of the kingdom of God, um, not because it's lacking in somehow or doesn't have something for us, but because it, in fact, seems challenging, seems difficult. So we need that encouragement. We want to encourage ourselves to walk in this pathway each week. And it's also true as well that uh, that we're not sure that there's really blessing to come from this pathway either. 
Okay, one of the things that Jesus says over and over again is there, there will be a blessing in going this way. And we need to be reminded of that as well. We need to, in fact, unleash our desire from the cage of duty. So unleash the things that we want and find them satisfied in God. That's the solution, not to push them down or say that they can't be met. Let's take a look at the verses then. Uh, starting in verse 2, it tells us that Jesus opened his mouth and taught the people saying it's it's interesting as well in verse one that you have Jesus sort of uh, uh, demonstrating a, a Moses like quality. You remember when Moses went and got the commandments, the law, where did he go? He went up to the mountain and then he came down and was sort of speaking for, for God from that place. And there's supposed to be a, a demonstration here, I think. Of the fact that Jesus is going up on the mountain. There's a reason it's a sermon on the mount. And he's going to speak to the people a a fresh word. The word of the new covenant to the people. And he does so by beginning uh, to talk about these different attributes. And one of the things that we could sort of uh, mistakenly conclude with this is. Okay, you got over in this section. They're numbered today over in section 6. Those are like the the, uh, poor in spirit folks. And. This section over here, number number three and two, these are the peacemaker people. And the uh, pure in heart are kind of back there and uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. There's that, this is that part of this. Yeah, you guys want it. That's what you want to be. Uh, you know, that, that this is how they're divided up. Each one of us, almost like spiritual gifts, like we have a different attribute. Well, well, no, the, these we would be reading it wrong if we read it that way. The right way to read it is say, actually, all of these things are attributes, qualities, uh, virtues of the kingdom that each one of us ought to pursue to the fullest degree, something like the fruit of the spirit. You know, we're all invited to have each of those fruit in our lives. Uh, So as we think about this passage today, we should keep that in mind. And then also this word blessed. What's that mean? That's kind of a that's a super churchy word, right? I'm blessed. How are you doing? I'm blessed. What does that mean? Well, in in this context, I I think it helps us to just use the word benefited, benefited. And of course, some have pointed out it really means kind of happy, but it's a little bit more than that because you can feel happy, right? But not actually have something that rightly makes you happy. So you can sort of delude yourself into just being happy. I'm just going to feel happy, but not really have something tangible that gives you reason to be happy. I think blessed when it's used in this context is more like benefited, because if we're benefited, we're happy and there's a reason behind it. Does that make sense? So benefited are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Benefited are those who mourn. Benefited are the meek. Let's talk about a couple of these uh, virtues, these beatitudes today, and, uh, and then we'll we'll tackle the others certainly next Week. Let's start with poor in spirit. Well, that just sounds Jim Dandy, right? I just can't wait to be impoverished of spirit. And of course, uh, some folks have pointed out, well, you know, is it really talking about spiritual poverty or over in Luke in a similar type passage? He said, just blessed are the poor. But the idea here is that, uh, you know, if you don't have a lot in life, either you're lacking materially or you're lacking emotionally or you're lacking whatever, you realize that you have a need. You're more prone to appreciate the provision that you receive. 
And so when Jesus is talking about us being poor, he's saying, really, whether you realize it or not, that that spiritual account, the default for your spiritual account is very low. The balance is down. Check the checkbook. It is running low. That's kind of the default for us. And Jesus is saying, hey, the first place for us to walk in the kingdom of God is to realize that we're spiritually poor, spiritually impoverished. That's our default setting. He says, however, that we're benefited to realize that. Well, why? Because when we realize that, then he's able to bring in the kingdom of heaven is going to come. It's going to dwell with us. So question for us today to contemplate. Uh, Do you believe this? Do you believe that a starting place for knowing the kingdom of God and living the kingdom of God is recognizing my poverty, recognizing your poverty? Uh, Maybe an additional question to ask would be, where do we run besides Jesus and his kingdom to try to assuage that sense of poverty? I was reading not too long ago uh, Neil Postman's book that was written, I think, back in the 90s. Now, so it's somewhat uh, dated in terms of its description of the technology and entertainment and amusements that are available to us. But it is not one of the ways we uh, try to get through life, as Postman said, is to amuse ourselves to death. That was the title of his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. I I don't really want to deal with my sense of spiritual need. I am not sure about bringing that to God and whether he can really meet it or I feel like I've tried to do that before and he's let me down or he hasn't been the fulfillment that I need. And so I'm just going to find other things to sort of quench that. Maybe we think about it consciously. Maybe we just run down that pathway. Jesus is inviting us again to um, to go low, to to go up, to get the benefits of his kingdom by recognizing we're poor in spirit. Second, one of the Beatitudes is tied, and it's interesting. On the surface, you read these, and you might not, you know, be a little hard to see the connection, but if you walk through them a little bit, you see they're linked together. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, there's got to be the most paradoxical of all these statements, because it just says, uh, happy are those who are sad, basically. Uh, Joyful are those who are miserable. Right. Blessed are those who are more and benefited. How is that the case for us? What's well, hard to see. But I think what Jesus is saying is that the next step after we see our spiritual poverty is to be uh, upset about that, to feel the weight of it, to mourn for it. And, and not just with ourselves, but with the world around us. Right. You turn on the TV and watch the news for just a few minutes And it always seems I know they're wanting to provide for us entertainment in that sense. And so they tell us the the most dramatic stories of evil and brokenness. But still, it's just always that brokenness. And we kind of tune it out. But if we really wrestled with it, we would mourn. We'd be sad over it. And we kind of want to run from it, even as Christians, don't we? I was talking with a, a young woman recently and talking with her about her spiritual life. And she shared with me about the, the point where she felt as a young adult that she had come to faith in Christ, had received Christ and and recognized who he was, salvation that he gives, her need for that and, and put her trust in, in him in a saving way. And yet she shared that she had wandered from that for, for some time. And I asked her why. I said, well, what, what happened there? 
And her main difficulty was that she really thought that she was not so much that life was going to be all peaches and cream when she came to Christ, but that at least that God would just always be really close to her. And she'd always know his near presence. And she didn't always feel that way. And I thought about the fact that blessed are those who mourn. You know, part of our spiritual life is, man, I wish I could have more. I want heaven now. And heaven's going to come one day, but I'm not getting the fulfillment of it now, even in the good stuff, even in seeking the Lord and relationship with him. So maybe that resonates with you. And it's helpful today to be reminded, blessed are those who mourn because of what? Does Jesus leave us hanging? No, because you're going to be comforted. Jesus will comfort you and me. We don't have to run away and try to pretend like our brokenness isn't as sad as it is or the brokenness of the world isn't as sad as it is. We can bring that to Jesus and he can comfort us. That's the kingdom of God. Let's talk about one more today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is interesting. Again, what's the connection between these three? How are they sequenced together? Well, meekness, uh, if you've ever thought about it, on the surface, meekness sounds like you're just a doormat, right? If you're meek, you're just a pushover. Just, you know, whoever wants to do whatever they want to you can do it and you don't resist at all. I don't think biblically that's what meekness is. Uh, meek, you know, some of the more powerful and influential people in the Bible are described at different places as meek. Uh, what meekness is, is recognizing our poverty of spirit and recognizing and mourning over it and bringing that into how we view relationship with other people, basically. So we're meek, we're humble in the sense that I know you're wrestling with brokenness and withdrawing comfort from the Lord and with mourning. And you know that that's where I'm coming from, too. So I may have... You know, significant authority, significant influence. There may be people here heading up different companies or divisions at your company and you lead and direct different people. Many of us are parents and we lead and direct our family. We have influence that way. Uh, Meekness doesn't mean that you uh, lose that capacity. It means you carry it out in a way that you and I are acknowledging that we're actually very poor in spirit and that we need Jesus to sustain us. So that informs how we use that authority, that power. That God has given to us. So a question for us, certainly, because I don't know, when's the last time you sat and meditated or talked to somebody about the idea of meekness? Right. Not very often. And yet Jesus got it here listed in the the eight Beatitudes. It's a pretty significant one. So I think a question for us would be just how does our relationship with God seeing our poverty of spirit mourning over that? How does that inform our relationships with others, how we relate to the world around us in meekness? And look at what Jesus says here. Again, he entices us to to run after meekness because he says we'll inherit the earth. We think we've got to have power and influence in ourselves. Jesus says, no, trust me. Let me be the one that gives you power. And in fact, you're going to in my heavenly kingdom have the earth all back again. And for your blessing eternally and your benefit. What a deal. What an opportunity. We're, if you will, in these Beatitudes, and we'll look at more of them next week. Once again, uh, blasting off. We're discovering something's wrong with the spaceship we're flying in. It's not working properly. And our 
mindset would be, you know, just turn around. That's just the way to do it. Jesus says instead, you know what? Head, head, head up. And in fact, I'm going to bring you around to safety. Head towards the moon. And I'm going to bring you back and plant your feet firmly on the earth, firmly in my kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the words that Jesus proclaimed. And Lord, we really feel like we've just begun to scratch the surface of some of what these Beatitudes mean. But we thank you for the way that they offer such blessing, such benefit to us. Help us by faith to believe these words and then to walk in them. Uh, Help me to do that. I struggle greatly to believe all these three things we focused in on today. And Lord, help us to believe that in so doing that we really would receive from you uh, the fulfillment, the blessing, the joy, the comfort, the kingdom of heaven that you promise. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.